Well, is there anyone in your life who you would say is a gift to be around? Their presence is just a gift. I'm saying anyone else, not yourself. I'm not saying, are you a gift to others? But is there anybody in your life that you would say is just a gift? You can look at your spouse if you came with a spouse or your girlfriend or significant other. You can look at your kids or parents, whatever, and you know, whatever. I know it's kind of fun. But, um, seriously, is there anyone who say it's just a gift to be with them? Maybe you have that one friend that for whatever reason, just the way they're wired, they always pick up the bill. I mean, it gets to the point where like you want to say thank you in return and you want to pick up the bill next time you go out to lunch or something. And so you're like paying off the waitress before she comes to the table. Hey, when the bill comes, it goes to me. And then you have to go to the bathroom. Next thing you know, he's already gotten the bill and paid. You're like, what, what, what gives here? Maybe there's that one friend who's always paying the bill. Maybe you're that friend. Raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> maybe there's just some, uh, someone in your life who is just a joy to be around. And you look forward to your time with them because the stories, they always have wild stories, they always have a, a, a new joke, or just the way that they engage with you draws you in. And you just can't wait to hear what's going on in, in their life. And uh, it just brings joy and, and happiness. And, and you, you leave where your stomach and your side hurt because of all the laughter, and your face hurts because of all the smiling. Say, yeah, that person's a, a joy to be around. What a gift. Maybe there's someone who has the ability to affect your mood and your emotions. Now that, that could swing either way. That may not be a gift. That may be a gift. Um, but if, it, if it's someone who brings about encouragement or lifts you up, yes, that's, that's a gift to be in that person's presence. Well, this whole series, we've been looking at Christmas presents. At, at Christmas time, we remember and we celebrate one of Jesus' names, Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's this fact that, that Jesus came from heaven, left heaven, and came in the form of a man, still being fully God, yet also being fully man, and came as a baby, was born into our world, and then lived and grew as a man, literally walked in our shoes. We celebrate this Christ with us, God with us, this Emmanuel. And there are many gifts that we receive as the benefactors of God being with us. And we've just been kind of hitting on four this Advent season, and we're going to do the Advent candles again. Uh, and each week we've been lighting one of these again. This is just a tool to kind of help us remember uh, some of the things that we're talking about, but also to see it as we light each candle, get closer to the Christ candle. In the middle, it's this anticipation that's building. And so today we are going to light four out of the five candles. The first candle we light is the candle of hope. We talked about how we expectantly wait on Jesus' return. And so it's not just a hope of, gee, this is something I would really like to happen, but we can know this is what God has promised to do, and he will do it. And so we expectantly wait on him, and we celebrate the gift of hope that we have. We celebrate the gift of love. God so loved that he gave. He gave his only son. And we talked about the unpack that a little bit. And so we celebrated the love of God and what it means for us. And that was week two. Last week we talked about joy. We added joy as our third candle. It's about how it's a natural response as we realize what God has done for us in our lives. We realize the rescue from our sins, that our sins are forgiven in Jesus. As we realize the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us and, and how God walks with us in this life and that despite our external circumstances, that we can truly celebrate a gift of joy that is found in God, and we're in his presence. Well, today we are to talk about the gift of peace. 
And that's going to be the fourth candle that we light here this morning. I'm also going to move this out of the way because I don't know how flammable my sweater is. So this morning we're talking about peace and a passage we've read a few times here in this past month is Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. This is a prophecy of a Savior that that has come and that that, that is Jesus, but uh, this was given to the people of God at a time where where they were still awaiting a Savior. The prophet Isaiah says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Which would also lead us to believe that he is the son of the King of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so that's what we're talking about here this morning is this gift of peace that we have in Jesus. Again, I invite you back December 24th, Christmas Eve, 7 p.m. We'll have a service here, candlelights, some some Christmas carols, and and, and, uh, talk about the Christmas story. We're going to focus in on Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born, a son is given. And what what the implications of that are for our lives as we just celebrate Christmas together. So I invite you back on Thursday. Oh, we see there in Isaiah 9, 7 that there will be no end to his peace, but it will continue to increase. And so it brings about this question, well, how did God bring about peace? As we look at how he worked in the life of his people, how, how is God bringing about peace right now? Well, how is he going to bring about peace in, in the future? If this is a waiting for his return, what, what does that look like? See, God has done a great work, is doing a great work, and has promised to complete a great work. Let me share a passage with this, Romans 5, uh, verse 1 through uh, 1 and 2. If you've got your Bibles and want to open up, we're just going to kind of be a few different verses here this morning. Um, they'll be on the screen as well. Uh, but Romans 5, uh, 1 through 2 is what it should say. My apologies for that misprint. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I want you to see here that there's a past, a present, and a future aspect here to Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. We've been justified by faith, verse 1 talks about. We've learned in the past that Ephesians was talking about it's by grace that this free gift that God gives us, we receive it through faith. And so we're justified, we're made right through Jesus by our faith in him. That's a work that's been done. When we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, that is a done, complete work that is is completed. We have peace with God. We have access by faith uh, uh, into uh, grace. There's this uh, current work in progress that God is still continuing in us. There's something that he's doing, and we engage in that through faith. And then we can also rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This looking ahead, hoping that God will, will accomplish and, and do what he claims and says and promises to do. And so we wait for what God will do. And the reason I'm really kind of sitting here in this place of what has God done, what is he doing, and what he will do, is that I think sometimes when we celebrate Christmas, we see it as this one-time event. 
Now, I'm sure it's not always celebrated that way. We have Christmas parties, we have work events. You have to see you know, both sides of the family. And in this day and age of blended families, sometimes you have five different places you need to go to kind of catch all the, all the families. Or if your kids are, have gotten married and they have their own, it's just a lot of places to go, a lot of people to celebrate with, and a lot of things to do. And yet, it can sometimes just feel like, hey, it's Christmas, let's open some presents, let's eat some food, and now we're into January. Now we begin the grind until winter's over. But we really see that it's so much more than simply a day that we've chosen to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Just a little tangent that has nothing to do with peace that we're talking about. Jesus was not born in December. Uh, we can almost say with certainty that wasn't the case. It's just simply a day that we said we celebrate that. So if you're one of those people, hey, no, Steve, it was probably like in mid-July or it wasn't December, I, I'm with you on that, but that's okay. If you said, hey, Steve, we're going to celebrate your birthday in October, okay, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then November and December, that's fine too. So it's short-sighted to see Christmas as this one-time event. That's why I've been hitting so hard at this point of having a season of Advent. Again, this is just a tool for us to turn our focus to God. To remember that Jesus came to us from heaven. He is this foretold Prince of Peace. To rejoice in the work that he has done and is doing as he overcame death, rose again, and ascended into heaven, made peace between God and us, and then left behind the Holy Spirit as a counselor on our behalf. And then we're to refocus our attention onto his return when he will come and make all things new. So we remember, we rejoice, and we refocus. So there's three questions I want to unpack here today. The first one is this. How did the presence of God bring peace? How did it? So looking back on the work that God has already done, how did his presence in the life of people bring about peace? We first need to acknowledge that on our own, apart from God, that we are enemies of God. We're enemies of God. We say, oh, Steve, I'm not an enemy of God. You know, yeah, I don't really follow him, but you know, I, don't, you know, I don't have anything, anything out for him. Well, as our creator... If we are not pursuing his ways, then we are pursuing our own. And we stand opposed to what he would have for us. We are then, if we don't follow in the ways that God would call us to live, we are forging our own path opposite from, off of, the ways our designer has designed us. And that brings about a separation between us and God. Think of it this way. It's like a disobedient child. I have never felt close to my mom when I was in disobedience. Growing up, she had this thing where and I knew if I just held out long enough, I'd get to this point where she would say, fine, do whatever you want. And as a young man, probably like in grade school, into junior high, the guilt of that, just like, okay, I'm sorry, mom, I won't do it. You know, if I was like asking to do something, she kept saying no. I'm so sorry. But then I learned... That once I got the fine, go do what you want, I could go do what I want. She wasn't happy about it, but I finally wore down enough. I broke. I'm like, hey, I can go do what I want now. In my junior high, senior high years, I almost looked forward to the fine, do what you want, because in my head, that was this, I won. I got my way. But I'll tell you, in all those moments where I, I sought to get to that point so I could go do what I want to do, I never, never felt close to my mom because I, I was in disobedience. It's like that with God. When we're going our own way, when we're not pursuing Him or, or what He would have for us, we're not close to Him. Scripture actually says we're, we're enemies of God. 
God, knowing this, made a way for us to be in relationship with him. So Jesus comes first as this child and grows and walks uh, as a man that goes to the cross after living a perfect, sinless life. He did not need to die, but he's willing to lay down his life as a sacrifice. Because see, the, the, the penalty for our disobedience, no matter how small or how great, if you come in here being like, hey, you know what? I'm better than all my friends. Just put it out there. I, I, you know, I don't need this forgiveness stuff. Or if you're the other end of the spectrum saying, I am a hot mess. I'm lucky I, I got up and, and, and made it to church with, with matching socks on today. But whatever spectrum you're on, we've all gone our own ways. We've all sinned and, and gone against what God would have for us. And so there's, there's blood to be shed. There's payment to be made for that separation. And out of his love for us, Jesus made it. And all we need to do is, is to receive it. We see that's through faith. That we trust Jesus, that you were God, that you are God, and that you died on the cross, that you defeated death, you rose again, and you paid the price for my sin. So when I trust in you, that I am forgiven. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our peace with God begins with Jesus. If you say, I feel like I'm battling with God. How are you with Jesus today? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life and say, Jesus, I trust in you for salvation. I trust in you for all things. If you have not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then if we understand in God's word right here, you will not have peace with God. You will not be able to come to a place where you feel like, okay, God and I are good. Because you're still in disobedience. You're still fighting with God until he says, the fine, do what you want. You say, fine, I'm going to do what I want. We need to humble ourselves and say, my ways are not your ways, God, and I want to go your ways. I want to pursue you. When we trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we become children of God, no longer enemies from God. We go from a position of a sinner to a saint, from our way to God's way. See, we have peace because Jesus paid it all. We have peace because Jesus paid the price for our sins. And so when we put our faith in him, we can find peace with God. So the question there is, have you taken that step? Have you taken that step? If you have not trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, don't leave this place today without taking that step. If you're not quite there yet, you're still not sure what that means, come talk to me afterwards. Talk to the person you came with. If you came on your own, turn to someone next to you and say, hey, do you know more about this Jesus stuff? Can you help me understand? Let's have peace with God because we've trusted in Jesus because he paid the price for our sins. So here's a catch whenever my mom and I had a restored relationship. When I said, okay, mom, you know, I'll obey. I'll, I'll do what you're asking me to do is the time would eventually come, sometimes sooner than later, when I would disobey again. I, I would go against her ways. But as I, I grew in obedience, I, I learned the ways my mom would want me to, to, to go, and there was less conflict, and it led to greater peace in my day-to-day -day life. See, there's this sense in which we apply that to our, our, our walk with Jesus, where, yes, there's a work that's been done. We have peace with God because of Jesus that's a work that's been done. If you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you are at peace with God. But you may say, Steve, but there is chaos in my life. 
because it's an ongoing process of God still working in our lives. See, there, there is chaos in the lives of those that Jesus first came to. Think about it. Mary and Joseph were in the comforts of their home in their neighboring hospital, which had a brand new wing built just for delivering babies that were the Son of God. Right? That's how the story goes? No. They were on the road. They, they weren't home. Just that alone. Imagine just having a, a Christmas celebration, having a birthday party on the road as opposed to your home. They had a baby on the road. So we, we sing Silent Night, which it may have been. We don't really know. That's just one author's idea of what maybe happened that night. But there was a baby born. There was some chaos going on. There was some turmoil. There was some wondering. Oh, hey, God said this is what's going to happen, but here's this baby that's the Son of God. I've shared with you before, I don't know where this comes from, or, or maybe it's just because how precious a child is, but all, for all three of my kids, every time, that first time holding them in the hospital, the first thought that goes through my head wasn't a, I love you so much, you're so amazing, it's please don't drop you, please don't drop you. It's because it's so precious. I'm like, imagine, okay, now you're the son of God, you know? Imagine the pressure that they were feeling there. Why is he crying? I don't know. He should be telling me, you know, whatever. There was chaos, I'm sure, at moments. There was chaos. We also can read in Luke chapter 2 that after the birth of Jesus, that angels appear to shepherds. It had this proclamation. At first, it just freaks them out. They said, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. We have good news of great joy. Today, a child is born. They tell him this awesome story. The shepherds say, let's go find out. Let's go see it. And so sure, maybe there was this quiet manger moment where they're all kind of sitting around this quiet sleeping baby. And he smiles because he's got a little bit of gas. Oh, isn't that so cute? I, but whenever they were done with all that, there were still flocks out in the fields. There were still dirty, stinky sheep that had to be cared for because sheep are dumb. It's, it's biblical. I'm serious. They are. When, we, when you see some passages where we're, we're, uh, okay, we're like sheep, it's not necessarily a good thing. It's accurate. But there's, I'm sure, still chaos in the lives of the shepherds. There was national unrest in, in the world that Jesus was born into. At the time he was born, Herod was the king. And Herod had a major issue with power. He, he was in charge, and he didn't want anybody in any place, any position that could challenge his authority. And, and so he was quick to kill people off. And so all of a sudden, the, the, these wise men come traveling. They're looking for the Savior that's been foretold. And that's a whole other amazing story. But Herod kind of points the way to Bethlehem, and that's where they end up. He says, hey, when you find him, come back and, and tell me about him. Tell me where he is. I, I want to go and, and praise him too. They say, okay, sounds good. And, and so they, the, these wise men go, and they find Jesus, and then they're warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod. And we find out that it was because Herod had no intention of praising this newborn king, this prince of peace. He wanted to find him and kill him. I, I don't care, king of whatever. If there's a new king in town, he's dead. That was his heart. And so when the, the wise men were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they went back a different way. And after a while, you know, Herod's checking his watch. Well, they, they should probably be here by now. They never came back. 
So what does he do? The man is nuts. He goes and he kills every male child two years or younger in that region. Not just Bethlehem, but in that region. Murders him. He says, all right, you want to tell me which one it is? I know the general area. Kill all the male children two years or younger. Imagine the chaos that created. The heartbreak going on. And so, yes, there is peace that we can have with God, but we still live in this world with chaos. And so what do we do today? How can we find peace in God? This is our second question we want to look at. How is the presence of God bringing peace in our lives today because we live in a chaotic time? There's school shootings and acts of terror that seem to be on a frequent basis. There's still racial tensions that, that hold fast in our, in, in, in our uh, nation, in our societies. There are many in various positions of authority who are misusing their place of power for their own personal gain. I imagine there's ways in your life where there's chaos right now. Maybe in some small ways, maybe in some large ways, and all are valid. It's a lack of peace. My wife and I had a a large, unexpected financial burden come up. It was just something that just hit us out of left field. We weren't ready for it. We weren't prepared for it. We weren't even sure how we could be prepared for this possibility. And our heart towards God was, God, where are you? Where is the rescue that we desire from this chaos? See, so many times we go to God when there's chaos and we want Him to resolve it by removing it. Rescue me from blank. Take it away. And God has the power to do that. And sometimes he does. But if you're sitting there in a position of chaos right now and you're not feeling any peace in your life because there's something you've been praying about, God, rescue me from this, and it hasn't been taken away, that's not, uh, it's not the, the rule that God would take away those things. If we look at Scripture, actually, it's more the exception. If you look at faithful followers of Christ, we see it's more the exception that God would just remove those things. Instead, what we see more often is that God would work in and through us to bring us through that chaos. In a position where we trust in Him, He will sustain us and He will be with us. See, the presence of God works in us to give us peace. We want Him to work externally. We want Him to take things away. This hurts. This is uncomfortable. This is a mess I don't know how to deal with. Wipe it out, God. But He wants to work in us to sustain us through it. John 14, 25-27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. This is Jesus speaking. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's preparing his disciples. He's going to be going. He's going to be uh, uh, leaving them. He says, I give you my peace. Now, what peace does Jesus have? I'm reminded of the story where they're, they're all in the boat together and a storm kicks up. And this storm is a serious, this is the kind of storm that could capsize the boat. And they're doing what they can. And you know, some of them, they're seasoned fishermen, so they know what to do in a storm. And they're trying all their different things to keep the boat steady and all that. They're freaking out. We, 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 need, we need to pull in the big guns. Go get Jesus. Well, I would, but he's sleeping. 
What, what do you mean he's sleeping? Yeah, you wake him up. Okay, I'll go wake him up. Hey, Jesus, we're, we're in the midst of a storm. Well, we're, we're going to die out here, and you're sleeping? I think one of the reasons that Jesus could sleep in the midst of that is because he knows the power of the storm, and he knows it's not greater than his power. He has peace because he knows his own power. And see, this is where the challenge lies. We know our power, and a lot of times that's why there's chaos in our life. Because there's things that happen that we can't control. If only we had someone in our life, on our side, who was rooting for us, who had power over the things that were bringing chaos in our life. And we do. And his name is Jesus. So this one who sleeps in the bow of the boat during a storm because he's not afraid, because he has power over that storm, says, I give you my peace. See, we can have peace because Jesus has all the power. We can have peace because Jesus has all the power. See, with my current chaos, the financial burden I was talking about, I began to see God's provision and his power that was always there. The more I kind of you know, went headfirst into this chaos that just popped up in our life, the more I just kind of, I'm going to go tackle it. We have to deal with it. It's not going anywhere. I began to see how over the years, God was just providing and, and his power was, was shown through this situation. And it changed my heart. It helped me to see that, okay, God has been here the whole time. He has been my rescuer because he's been with me in this. And I finally began, you know, someone says, well, like, you go to prayer, you're like, God, take this away. And then, amen. And that's kind of your whole prayer. But we, let, let us really seek the Holy Spirit because Jesus said in John 14 that he, he, I'm leaving you the helper. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you remember the things I've said. He's going to teach us some new stuff as well. Go to the Holy Spirit. How do we do that in this, at this point in our lives, at this point in history? Well, His Holy Spirit speaks through many different ways. He speaks through His Word, because God has already spoken in His Word, and the Holy Spirit helps us to understand it. And so when you're trying to hear from the Holy Spirit, get into God's Word. He speaks through His people. Pursue people who know God's Word and, and can direct you and guide you in it. He speaks to our hearts as well. Now, we can't just simply take one of those and say, well, I feel like this is what God's saying. We need to compare it to all those. Seek wise counsel. Put it up against God's word. In this particular chaos I was going through, I was struck at how much I hadn't been doing that. I was simply putting up those prayers of God, take it away, and just waiting for him to take it away. Not with the kind of expectant hope of it's going to happen, but kind of this, I'd really like it to just go away. It was genuine. I was crying out to him. So as I was going to kind of deal with the situation, I took a moment. I called the trusted brother in Christ. And here's how I decided who to call. I thought about who can give me advice on this. Beyond worldly advice. I want someone who kind of knew about the, the situation and whatnot. Who can give me advice from God's word? Who will point me back to God's word? Because I'll tell you what, when we follow God a lot of times, the truth as far as the steps we should take are not going to be easy. They're going to require sacrifice. There might be more pain ahead than we're already going through in the midst of this chaos as we stand on integrity, as we stand on things that God calls us to stand on. And so I sought this friend, and he gave me some great advice, some challenging advice based on God's Word. And I was challenged to grow 
And it required sacrifice and work. And it is still requiring sacrifice and work. I'll tell you what. Even though the chaos is still in our lives right now, my wife and I have such peace about it. And it's not a laissez-faire, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I, I, I don't care. It's not trying to disconnect ourselves from it because that, that's a false peace. But it's a knowing that God is more powerful than that situation. And knowing that we've sought him out and that he's leading us through it. So we have peace because Jesus has all power. And we have peace because the Holy Spirit perfects us. Because the Holy Spirit perfects us. So I, I sought my friend out. And Proverbs would teach us that as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. And so when we go to a brother or sister in Christ and, and they counsel us in God's word and remind us of the truths that we know and the Holy Spirit uses them in our lives to either teach us new things or, or remind us of things we've already known that we can then stand on God's word and go and take steps that will require sacrifice and work. We can have peace about it because the Holy Spirit is perfecting us. We see in John 14, no more will our hearts be troubled and we don't need to be afraid of any possible outcome anymore. We long for God to bring peace externally. But once we have this peace internally, what's beautiful is we're now equipped to be agents of change for peace externally. We are now able to help bring about peace in external ways. Maybe not in that specific situation going on in our lives. We still have limited control. Ultimately, it's all God's. But as we have a peace inside, found in Christ, because he paid it all on the cross, because he has all the power, and we're being perfected by the Holy Spirit, we can become agents of change. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We can see a connection there between those who would make peace, those we call sons of God. So if we are the children of God, let us be agents of change. Let us be peacemakers. So that brings us to our last question here. We've talked about how did God bring peace. It was in in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And how can we have peace in our life today? It's through our pursuit of him as we rely on him and seek the Holy Spirit. How will the presence of God bring about peace? Well, in God's timing, Jesus will return. We should be ready. We should be looking, uh, you know, this, okay, when is he coming? But anytime someone's like, oh, I believe he's coming now. I believe he's coming now. Uh, on one hand, I, I got to say, is it changing how you live? Because if it is, cool. We should live as if he's coming. Because the first generation of Christians lived believing he was returning. And guess what? The next generation after that. So, oh, well, it didn't happen last, but it's going to happen this generation. This is the one. So look, if you want to say we believe this is the time where Jesus is going to come back, yeah, let's live in that reality. But let's not get so caught up in, in, in someone looking. We can look for the signs, but let's not get so caught up in that. They'll say, it's on this day at this time, uh, at this second, so I don't need to do anything else. I'm just going to sit back and wait. No. We say, hey, he is coming at some point, and so there's some things we need to do. James 5, 7 through 9. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives its early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So as we await what's coming, so as we look at this Christmas season, we're not just celebrating that Jesus came. We're celebrating that he's coming again. And so what do we do in the meantime? Is the kingdom of God coming soon? Yes. 
Now remember, soon has been 2,000 years so far. Maybe 2,000 more. Maybe two days more. Maybe two seconds more. Okay. So what do we do in the meantime until it comes? Three things that close us out here. Because we have this peace, because we can find this peace in God, be patient. Be patient. Sometimes when we have to be patient and wait, we feel like, okay, nothing's getting done. It drives batty sometimes. But think about the farmer. What does he do? He waits for his crops. Does he just sit there and just stare at the dirt? No, there's work to be done. He plants the seed, he waters it, he tends to the fields. But does he make it grow? No, he relies on God for that. But he expects there to be a crop. You can say, oh yeah, but you don't know what's going to happen. There could be a storm come through. But he knows, I put the seed in the ground, I water it, make sure it's got sun and the weeds don't crowd it out. It's going to grow because I'm trusting that God's going to do what God does and it's going to grow. So let's be like that farmer. Let us be patient. Let's allow God to continue the work that he's doing. Let's be ones who plant seeds, who water, and who tend. Trust that God's the one who will make it grow. If there's someone that you're pouring into, that, that you are, are, are sharing God with, that you're trying to encourage and walk with, and you're just not seeing any growth, be like the farmer. Continue that work of waiting. And be patient. Be patient. God is at work. If you went out to a field that you had planted and tended to, I'm going to study it for a half hour. God, could you, really, you know that field. Then you went back inside and you went on with your day. You came out the next day and you went back to that same plot of land and you just kind of studied it for a half hour. You did that for a week. Would you see any change? It depends on when you saw it. Is it that week where those seeds just start to push out of the dirt? If it was then, yeah, you'd see, be so excited. Hey, stuff is growing here. If it was before that, you'd be like, I got to feel the dirt. If you had something growing already, and, and, and then you went out that whole week, you kept studying, it does, it's not getting any bigger. Nothing's growing. I don't see any fruit on the vine. You go out another week, hey, I'm seeing the fruit start to bud. So we don't know where we are in someone's life when we're sharing God with them. So be patient. Continue to do the work as a farmer waits and works for the harvest, but knowing that it's God who brings about the growth. Because we have peace, we can be patient. Because we have peace, we can be prepared. It says, establish your hearts. Here's what I thought of when, I, when this phrase, establish your hearts, came across my mind when I read that. Hey, have you ever, do you have a Netflix or Hulu account and you find that, that TV series I'm meaning to watch and you watch one episode, and before you know it, three days have gone by, you've called in sick twice, and you're still wearing the same clothes, and you have like pizza stains drooling down. You just, you binged on it. And that eventually comes the point, your boss is calling, seeing where you are, so you, you got to get into work, and so you don't get to watch the last season. And just all these things come up, it takes a whole week. The whole week, that's all you think about. Maybe there's a, a trilogy that's coming out, and you want to get caught up with the old ones, and you sit and you binge, and it's just like, you just, you're Offing yourself in that, and you just that's all you're thinking about. Or maybe you're into books and you're reading that series, and hey, they just released number seven by number five. I gotta get through it number to number six so I can read seven. I want it, it just becomes your life. Have you ever done one of those scenarios? You ever found yourself laying in bed and laying awake in bed thinking about it? 
or daydreaming as you're driving to work and, and that's what's on your mind? You know, wife's about to give birth in the hospital, but no, I'm thinking about this show. Or, hey, my kids get married, but no, I'm thinking about this show. You know, there's all these amazing things. It's, it's, it's just, but the, there's things that just we've allowed to have that spirit. I'm not saying those are right or wrong, but just we, we can relate to those moments where we so fill our minds with something, with one thing, it, it begins to take up residence there, doesn't it? So what has residence in your heart? What have you established in your heart? Have you said, okay, ultimately, here, it's all yours, Jesus. And as I read your word, I say, okay, uh, I, I need to be, you know, uh, a servant to you first and foremost and love you. I, I give you my everything. Okay, I, I need to be a father or a mother. Or before that even, I've made a commitment to my spouse. So I need to be a good husband or a good wife. And then I need to be a good father or mother. And then I see in your word a call to be a, a good worker. And so I need to be a, a good employee. Do you establish all those different things in, in your heart? What's established in your heart? Be prepared. What's currently residing in your heart? Do you take time to think about the people in your life that don't know Jesus? Praying for them. Asking God, would you give me an opportunity to share you with them? The times that I've really focused on that and allow that that heart to take up residence in my heart. God has done some amazing things in my life and used me in powerful ways. But sometimes I just let life happen. And just the ins and outs of life begin to take up more and more residence in my, in my heart. And I, I push some other stuff aside. So let us be patient because we have peace in God. Because we have peace in God, let us be prepared by allowing the things of God to take up residence in our heart. Let us, see, let us be peacemakers. We see that in verse 9. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. You ever heard that phrase, it's better to say nothing, you know, if you can't say something nice, don't, don't say anything at all? Honestly, I, let's go all the way. If we're, we're not going to grumble, let's do the opposite. Let's be peacemakers. Let's not just not add to the conflict, but let's be those who speak into conflict with encouragement, with a word of peace. Let's not dwell on the things that will perish, but instead focus on that which is eternal a lot of times when we grumble it's about things that are temporary that really don't matter we get we get our undies and such a bunch over things that just are here today and gone tomorrow we grumble about it and it ruins our day and that's our gift for someone else in our presence as we let let's fight against that and acknowledge what matters most that which is eternal and that when we trust in jesus when someone trusts in jesus with their life they have eternal life in him. Uh, I do this thing with my girls. and I will with my son when he's old enough. Uh, if they got electronics or something, and one of my pet peeves, this has always been an issue of mine, is if someone's talking to you, and you're, you're on the you know, video game or, or watching television or a movie, and you don't respond. I, I would do this when, when uh, we playing video games with my buddies in, in college, and someone would, would try to say something to the guy sitting next to me. And, and we're both playing the same game. I was usually kicking his butt. And we're both playing the same game. And I hear what the guy is saying to him. I hear it, and he's not answering. And I'm like, you can't tell me you don't hear that. I hear it, not, not the guy he's talking to. Other people hear it. And so I've really tried hard. I, I want to grow that in, in my kids to where, when they're on, whatever it is, electronics or, or you know, lost in something else, find what matters most and make sure you're giving that 
your primary attention. Is it wrong to have fun and entertain yourself with a go play a game? No. If I walk in the door and I say hi to my kids and say they're watching a show, I don't get a response. We have a chat. What matters most? A screen or your relationship with your dad? Or I don't I get that personal. I just say, what matters more? People or a show? Because I hope that when anyone would say, hey, Evelyn, or, or hey, Olivia, that they would respond. And they do. I'm not trying to say that they never respond. They're great girls and that they respond a lot. But those moments where they don't say, well, what matters most? And so as we seek to be peacemakers who don't grumble, who don't add to conflict, let us pursue what matters most. Not the conflict, not our little preferences here or there that we grumble about. But let's sacrifice that for that which matters more. People's eternity they would know Jesus and see him in and through us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your peace. We thank you that we can have peace because of the work of Jesus, because of the work you've already done, because of the work you're doing in each one of us, Father. I pray today that as we think about the chaos in our lives, that you would help us to pursue you, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us that you would lead us to brothers and sisters that we can lean on, that we can seek wise counsel from, that you would lead us to your word, to places where where your word would teach us how to respond. Ultimately, Father, there's chaos in this world, in our lives, in our friends' lives, that we do genuinely desire for you to take away. We ask that you would remove it. But Father, when you choose not to, we thank you that you walk with us, that you sustain us, that you equip us to not only get through those storms and that chaos, but to be peacemakers ourselves as we have your peace in us. And I pray that as we do that, Father God, that others would find peace with you through faith in Jesus. Continue this good work that you've started as we wait and anticipate the day where you will return a new heaven, a new earth, and there will truly be peace on earth. Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. We offer ourselves to you. In your name, amen.